A Napa guy knows the only way you'd give a freshly minted driver a brand new car is if he promises to never drive it. Instead, let him grind the gears and knock over the neighbor's mailbox in something a little more suited to his skill level. And with over 400,000 parts and a little Napa know-how, he can safely drive something that's nearly as old as he is. It's not perfect, but it's perfect for him. That's Napa know-how. Welcome to Real Jam Radio. I'm Danny LaRue, your host, and so happy to have you with us. This episode is a follow-up on the over-under podcast that I did with Arturo Galetti of Basketball Numbers. We go through the same teams in the same order, and I think it was a lot of fun as an exercise. Of course, gives us a window to talking about every team. This is the Eastern Conference, and for those of you that are interested in a specific squad, there should be timestamps in the description area, depending on how you listen to this. So, thank you so much for listening. This was a lot of fun to record. Thanks so much for coming on. Pleasure to be back on, Danny. So I thought it'd be fun, especially now before the year is over, to talk about the over-under podcast we did. For those for those who haven't listened to it, you, you still can. And we're going to go through the teams in exactly the same order. And the first team then is the Philadelphia 76ers. The over-under, when we did our podcast, was at 20. We both liked the over, and that doesn't look great. <laughs> Well, it's one of those weird things. It's, you know, it, you, you kind of predict that they're going to have an actual uh, point guard. That team, it's weird. They, they've actually been better and they've been competitive. This isn't one of those things like the Suns, where the Suns just basically don't compete in games. But the, the, the Sixers do. I mean, like, they do do the thing where they, they, they start, like, playing faster and faster and, and kind of blow these games, but they're competitive. So we keep kind of thinking that maybe they'll do it. I mean, I don't think it's completely out of the realm of possibility they win 20 games, but it's looking like the under is is correct at this point. Yeah. We're both wrong. Yeah, and I think I think there's something to be gained from what they're doing since they got Ish Smith. They're looking more like a functional team. I think they're getting a better set of information on the guys that they have that they're thinking about keeping long-term, but you know, they're not getting as many wins, and that's not the worst thing in the world for them. Well, I think the biggest problem for them is, like, Noel's and Okafor doesn't quite work together. I mean, I, I like some of the things that Okafor does offensively, but, you know, he's he's a little bit like another, actually, the second-year player we'll talk about later, who just doesn't, isn't quite a great fit for what I think they're doing. I mean, I think Okafor's probably going to be a good player in maybe three or four years, but right now, he just, he just you know, he's out there, it's bad, it's really bad. Yeah, and they're gonna they're gonna struggle in the in those times, especially now. He should be worse defensively now than he will be in a couple of years. But being better right. doesn't mean good. It just means better. I mean, there's talent there. You, you know, they competed against the the Warriors, and they've competed against some of the really good teams. It's just you know, they 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 can do things. It's just like you know, it's 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 a really young team, and and they don't you know, I don't know that necessarily all the pieces fit together. But I mean, I think that. They're going to get a couple more picks. I like the fact that they brought in D'Antoni and they've actually gone out and gotten some guys who, I mean, it's not about getting like overpriced bets, getting some guys who like can play and pass the ball. They, they play a much prettier brand of ball now. For sure. And and I think that they're getting, yeah, as I said, they're getting better information on the guys they have. We'll move on to the Nets. The Nets were, the over-under was set at 28. We disagreed on which way to go. You said under, I said over, but we agreed on not touching it because this line scared us. And it did, it scared us for a reason, and that's that they ended up falling on the on the lower side of that. Well, we didn't, well, one, we didn't know what they were going to do in terms of the roster. I think that was the key, well, one of the key issues for that team is, like, we didn't know if they were going to make any trades. And weirdly... They really didn't make any trades. And I think, like, they, you know, they, they were always in rumors, but they never, uh, like, pulled the trigger. I mean, you know, eventually they, they ended up firing the GM, and I think that kind of played a part in it. And, and I think partly is the Atlanta has actually been tougher than expected at the top this year. So that's actually played in that. And, and again, this is, a, this is another weird team. And, like, they, the, this team actually does stay in games, right? They, they compete, but it, which is weird. I mean, I think, it, well, it isn't so weird because... They they don't have any incentive to tank because all their picks belong to the Celtics, which is you know, hey, as a Celtics fan, I love that. But again, I mean, do they have any player that would crack the top five in the rotation for a team going to the finals? Probably not, but they have a lot of guys who'd be in the rotation. You know, like who Brook Lopez is. Well, Brook Lopez would play on. He'd play on some teams. I'm not sure he'd play on any finals teams. Well, would he be the? Would he be the? He'd be the best center on the Cavs right now. He wouldn't be a perfect fit for what they do. 
but he'd probably he'd be the best center on the Cavs. I think Brook Lopez and Kevin Love wouldn't work. I mean, oh, I agree. Tough. I completely agree with you. But I, I think I think he's the best fit for him. And, and I think part of the leading question is they should have like OKC should have traded for him. I think he if you put him next to Serge Ibaka and Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook, that kind of works because it Ibaka kind of plays to his strength. But it isn't one of these things where like Cantor can't stay on the court. Like Brook Lopez can cover people. I mean, he, he's not a great defender, but he's not a terrible one either. It's it's and Thad is a guy. He's a he's a heater. He's a guy coming off the bench on a on, on a on a good team. Maybe he's 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 not great, but he's not terrible either. Yeah, and, and he, they have enough talent to stay competitive. And I'm sure Celtics fans don't like that because they'll they'll be in games for a while, and especially if they can actually get Rondé Hollis Jefferson back, who I really liked. I, I like him, but again, as I said, I mean, I think the best piece on that team is Brook Lopez, and he's not that great. Honestly, I might actually think I'm, I might actually rather have his brother. Yeah, it, it's different strengths. I'm not completely sold on Robin as a defender yet. You know, I, I think he he does fine. He's really good as a box out guy, which is hard statistically sometimes because some sometimes those rebounds go to other dudes. But I like him a lot. I think that the margin is closer than some people think. Which brings us dovetails us into our next team, the New York Knickerbockers. So the Knicks actually had one of the more fascinating line movements. So when it started, it was at 31.5. It dropped to 28.5, where we both really liked it as an over. And it's not definite, but it looks like they're going to go over. Yeah, it looks like they're going to go over. I mean, they're, they're competing. Feel I'd probably feel better about it if Kurt Rambis wasn't coaching it, because Kurt Rambis, <laughs> Kurt Rambis is, the, is, the, is the only person, like, you know, I, I like to say that Byron Scott is the worst coach in, in any major sports franchise but i think kurt rambis is is the only challenger to that he 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 does this thing where he like buries his best player like he's done the thing with like with uh porzingis where he's burying him right now i i it, it's a weird weird team i like the pieces some of the pieces on this team i like a follow in a vacuum he he has been kind of ugly for this team in the triangle calderon has some strength but the problem is like they're probably better off playing with the, the guys that got behind him yeah Mello is is better Mello has always been a guy who could be a third banana on a championship team, but like you put him on his own team and, and, it, and it's just a mess. I mean, he'd be better off like not being the primary scorer because that would make him better. He's like, he's like a super deluxe version of Rudy Gay. And I mean that in the nicest way possible, like a super millionaire's version of him. But like you put him alone on a team and it can have real problems because he, he isn't a great defender. He, he, he kind of, the ball stops with him and he, as I said, he'd be better off with someone else. Now, Porzingis is probably the best player on the team, but he doesn't have the the wherewithal still to kind of take it over. So again, I like the part. I think they made themselves better. It's moving in the right direction, but I just can't believe they didn't trade Melo. They really should have moved Melo this year. Well, he has a no trade, and it's possible that he just wants to stick around. He also, the financial part of it, Dan Feldman's written well about this, that he has a, a trade bonus that kicks in really next year, just with the way that the max works. And so he can get a, he can get more money if he waited this, you know, six months out to, to get traded. Also with Melo, you, you brought up a good point with him being a, a better player on a good team, and we've seen that in international play. He's a very good international player. Of course, the shorter three-point line helps, but... He can do that. He can be a collaborative player in that kind of circumstance. He just hasn't had that opportunity. Yeah, if you put him on a team where like he's not the primary option and he can just basically kill you as a secondary option or go doing things, we've seen him kind of just sit there and kind of do things as just as a really deluxe piece. But he, as a primary guy, he, he's a problem. There's an ongoing argument on Twitter about this. It's like I think that do you think Melo is a positive or negative asset? Well, I think he's positive for a lot of teams and negative for a few. The problem is that I think the Knicks are one of the teams that he's a negative asset for. It's like so that, and the question was like so doing trade values. So I, I would fake trades for Melo all the time. So the question is like, I mean, I think my take on this is basically if if, if the Knicks get anything for Melo, they should basically make a move. Well, the best, like, the most valuable thing they could get in some ways is cap space because of because yeah, they're in okay. New York. So if they could if they could do something like that, and you know they might have that option, but of course since he can say no to any deal, what you're looking for in a mellow trade partner is a team that has a narrow window that has kind of a short window now because so they can get more value out of the first couple of years of that contract, and a team that isn't particularly hopeful about their cap space so like i'm not saying that this is a perfect fit stylistically but if you wanted to go kind of the window version of it that would be a team like memphis where you know memphis is going to be a lot better next year than they are two years from now unless they've completely overhauled their roster that's the kind of thing that makes some sense it's just that those teams don't really have the right situation for him to waive his no trade clause 
Yeah, basically the. I mean, I always thought it was the Clippers. The, yeah. It was the most natural fit. The problem is, like, I think, like, you know, Woodson is on that coaching staff, right? So I, maybe that kind of kiboshed it a little bit. Yeah, I mean, as I said, the problem is, like, Melo as a player, again, and this is, like, for Nick fans, I'm, like, or, or for Melo fans, I'm not knocking him. I think he's, as I said, he could be a, a, a nice third piece on a championship team. The problem is for the Knicks, the Knicks don't have the talent around them, right? And and, and for them, he's kind of he's detrimental because what you really want is you basically want to clear it and create, like, space and time for uh, Persingas to play. And for all they, you know, they, they draft, that team kind of drafts well, actually. So they, you, you want to have that space to create something. And Melo, by the time the team is ready in three or four years, Melo's just going to be like, imagine what Kobe is. He's basically going to be a worse version of what Kobe is this year. Yeah. And that, I think that's the, the true, the most salient point with the Knicks is just that while Melo is a good player, he doesn't fit with not only Porzingis, but the rest of the team. I mean, this is, this is a team that, the logic with Melo is he's better now than he will be in a couple years from now. The Knicks are terrible now. And the Knicks, the not, not terrible might be strong. They're not good now. And so it's not gonna, it's not reasonable for them to make the jump that they would need to make for Melo to be a huge positive for them. So it's probably not gonna happen, but we can move on to Charlotte. Yeah. As a running total, it's like, so right now, like, I've got three of the four right. Danny's gotten two of the four right. But yeah. let's keep going. Are, actually, aren't we at three right now? Yeah. Oh, yeah, actually, we're going Charlotte. That's right. We, yeah. <laughs> foreshadowing. Foreshadowing. Yeah, so Charlotte projected for 31 and a half. We both said over. You didn't love it. I did. And they're blown by it. Yeah, I mean, I think that the issue for me was the injuries. Like, I didn't like that. I remember, like, when we did the podcast, we both loved it. And then my, uh, Michael Gilchrist got injured right. just as we were about to do it. So we were talking about it before. And we were saying, oh, we love Charlotte. And then he got hurt. And he surprisingly came back and he was, he was good. I mean, like this team, the thing is like, I love Nick Batum. Batum is great, right? So, so the guys they brought in, they brought in Batum, they got Marvin Williams, they brought it, they, they have, uh, Michael Keith Gilchrist. It's a talented core. They can play defense. They can do things, right? It's a competent team. It's just, you know, they're blowing by it, but really this team, if this team was healthy, they could probably win 50 games. If, right? if they were, if, if they got 75 plus games from every guy on their roster, well, I, I, like, let's say theoretically, let's say that let me, had let not, me, let, not... Me, let me quantify that. There was one injury that helped them. Al Jefferson? Al Jefferson. Basically, yeah. and actually, here's the thing. They've actually figured, the, the, their coach is really smart and he's figured it out. And he's only using, he's using Al in the second unit. And Al is a, like, if you were starting Al on this team, it'd be, it would be devastating. But like, throw him out there against these like teams as, uh, as a second unit guy, as like the, the second, as like, he's just devastating to people right now. And, and that's the best use probably of Al Jefferson. He's getting paid like a starter, but like what, how they're using him is exactly the right way. Agreed. Uh, Seth Partner's written about this. Numerous other people have too. And I completely support the idea of using these defense limited back to the basket monster centers as second unit guys because nobody there can handle them and their weaknesses aren't as relevant. And this is what, uh, the Spurs have been doing for ages, right? right? Well, that's, what Bo- that's what Boban's probably going to end up being too. Boban's actually not as I would say Boban actually I think he's going to be competent defensively I think partly but like pop rolled him out and like hit him but like we can talk about Boban later we can yeah we'll talk about Boban later but again I, I feel bad for this for this Hornets team because like when they got MKG back and they were healthy it was kind of cooking I mean it, it's a team that as I said they brought in guys they brought in Jeremy Lin they brought in Nicholas Batum they brought in Marvin Williams these, these are like actual NBA players like on like fairly decent contracts. It's a pity that they haven't been able to get everybody healthy, but this is a really nice team. I, I enjoy their games, basically. Yeah, I hope that, for for basketball reasons, I hope Batum goes back there, just because I think this team at full strength, and you, Al Jefferson, of course, is, is a good point to bring up, but I like their how their talent fits together. I think they're incredibly well coached. So I think, and at you know, if they could have MKG, that also adds a big wrinkle for a potential playoff series. Like, I think you can make an argument that, a full-strength Charlotte team would be the biggest threat in the Eastern Conference to Cleveland. The problem is, like, Nicholas Batoon is getting a max contract. Yeah. Everybody's getting a max contract, but Batoon is getting a max contract, and he's getting a max contract from a smart team. Like, somebody who knows what they're doing is going to give him, like, like the max. Like, the Bulls are going to give him the max, or somebody like Portland. that. Like, uh, wow. Portland did a really... I mean, we can talk about them later, but, like, yeah, that'd be interesting. I think, like... If you throw him, like imagine Nick Batoon and like Jimmy Butler playing together, it'd be fun. That, it'd be a lot of fun. That, that it's basically an, it, like it's comparable to what the what the Spurs do on the wing. 
And I mean, again, I love it. I, I wish we got a full season out of it, and I really feel bad about Michael Kigokos. So do I. Before we get to our next team, I wanted to talk to you about the inaugural sponsor of the Real Jam Radio podcast, and that's SeatGeek. As somebody who used to buy and sell tickets as a ticket broker, I can appreciate the challenges of the ticket buying and the ticket selling process. And SeatGeek does a great job of cleaning up some of the biggest problems. As an aggregator, they put everything together so you don't have to worry about missing tickets that could potentially be on the market. Also, since they give a deal score, you can tell whether it's a good deal or a bad deal. You have that information and sellers have it too. Finally, they are upfront about the price. And what that allows is that since they have the all-in prices, fees, and everything else included, is that you get a real apples-to-apples comparison. So you can say this ticket versus this ticket, because it can change depending on delivery method and various things. So to be able to look at that and look at one number and say, okay, this one is better than that one, that's what I want to do. And for Real Jam Radio listeners, special offer, you can get $20 off on your first purchase. All you have to do is download the free SeatGeek app, You go to the settings tab and you say add a promo code. The promo code is REALGM, R-E-A-L-G-M, all caps, no spaces. And then when you make your first purchase, SeatGeek will send you $20. So you can download the app. You can look through the events they have. I'm looking at Bruce Springsteen tickets for when he comes to Oracle in a few weeks. There are lots of amazing things, sports, concerts, and all that. You find what you're looking for. You buy your tickets, and then you get $20 back. Remember, the promo code is REALGM, R-E-A-L-G-M. Now we're on to the Orlando Magic. Another one of those kind of compelling ones started out at 32.5, went up to 34.5, and I think for both of us, that move really crystallized it, that we both really love the under, and right now it's kind of a coin flip. Yeah, basically, this is one of the one of the few situations I wasn't willing to call. So my projection has it at 35, about 35.6, just about exactly where it is. So, you know, this could go either way. Their coach is a little – is it? let me call this like – Scott Kyle is interesting. So this is really interesting because, like, they, they looked into probably the second best player in the draft class in Aaron Gordon. I, I You know, and, and people who don't know, who didn't watch the draft contest, like, this dude can actually play. He's really, 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 really talented, right? And, and not only that, like, but they almost lucked out of that because they almost traded him away, right? So they did some interesting moves. I kind of like what they did at the tread deadline, but it was almost to spite themselves. Like they moved Shannon Fry, who, who's kind of a bit of a toxic asset at this point. And, and I like what they do. They do some weird things when they, how they play their lineups together, but they have some talent. I mean, I think this is one of those teams. Finally, like my, my complaint about them was always like they had all these pieces that didn't make sense for that young team. Now they're just like the young pieces. And it's starting to look a little more like a team. I don't think they're quite ready, but I mean, like, I think there's a team like, like, you know, this is a team that can get into an eight seed and like basically give the Cavs, who are dysfunctional as hell, uh, a kind of a scare. I don't think they can beat them, but they can, they can give them a scare. They can, they can basically make them struggle and run at them for like five or six games. The challenge for me with Skiles is that there are a couple different ways you can think about coaching. So effort is, of course, a part of that. You know, like getting your guys to play hard. Running a good system is important and having guys execute that. And then also, you know, running competent rotations. And what's tough about Skiles is he does the first one in spades. This team is playing harder, and I would say to a degree they're playing smarter than they ever have. But his rotations are infuriating. So it feels like they're not at their ceiling, but they're still better than they were. I've done extensive research for, let's call them monetary reasons, and Victor Oladipo and Alfred Payton should not be playing together. Right. Ever. They should basically be rotating. And there are ways to minimize how much time they play, but they should be playing together, basically because when they play together, there's not enough ball. They should basically like be staggering them and have Aaron Gordon doing things. Because, again, as I said, they lo- like Aaron Gordon is... Aaron Gordon is a guy who could be a top five guy in like in a few years. He, he's he's that skilled. He's that. I mean, obviously, people who solve dunk contests. I mean, the the man basically like almost broke the high jump record doing that, and he's that skilled and that crazy good. And and as a this is a team that has athletes. They really do. As you said, like Skiles will get him to play. I'm not. I mean, he's not Randy Whitman, but he 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 doesn't necessarily maximize the assets he has on the floor is my concern with this. But do you agree with me that they're probably in a better position now than they were at the beginning of the year? Yeah, I mean, Aaron Gordon really showing something is useful. The concern with them in some ways is also something that you and I, I think, talked a little bit about with the Celtics last year. Of course, they're happy with how things turned out, but I think they're going to win a little, a few too many games this year, and that will hurt their draft asset because this is a team, unlike a few others, where 
yeah, they have a lot of pieces that I really like, but they still have some major needs. A defensive center would make a world of difference for them. Even a steward point guard, like if they could get a Patty Mills, who, I, I mean, I like, but, you know, if they could get somebody like him to play 25 minutes a game, it would make a ton of difference for them. So here's some interesting questions for, like, so... They have a couple questions from. I think moving Fry and getting like uh, I like Ursan. I like putting Ursan on this team. Do you stay with Bushevik? Well, until you get an alternative, but I think you have to look into getting somebody else because he's he's a good player. Like he's definitely a talented basketball player. But if your goal is to let's say like win a couple playoff series, I don't. I think it's very hard to build a a good enough team around him to do that. Do you move Peyton if anybody wants him? Yeah, I mean, I think the issue is like they got a couple guys who are like you keep you got to keep all people. You got to keep Gordon, right? Right. I like, and you basically build around that. But the the pieces, that, I mean, I think the pieces they have have value, but like they have to find the right buyer. I, I mean, again, I like the talent that they have in house now. I just, I'm not quite sure. I mean, I I do think they still have a couple moves to make. I mean, again, I think this team. Osmosis. I think this team may probably wins like 45, 45 games next year. If they do nothing, because they're just going to get older and better, I think they win 45 games next year. But I don't know that they have... I agree with you. Like, they're, they're missing a piece at this point, right, before to like that next, next level. I think they can get into like playoff contention, but I don't think they can get into like championship contention. Like, like win a series and like go into the second round. I don't know that they have the parts there yet. Yeah, I think they're going to need more. They're going to have a lot of cap space, but we'll move on to the team they made arguably their most significant trade deadline trade with, and that's the Detroit Pistons, who were projected at 36. We both like the over. I think we both also like the division odds, and they're going to blow by the over, but not win the division. Yeah, I mean, we liked it. The division odds were long. We just said Yeah, that they were, it, was, it was a value play. It's like we're saying, look, if, if there's a, is there a punter who can come out of nowhere and like, yeah, I mean, I, and I think we were probably right in that. I mean, it's just like that needed the, the Cavs to kind of self-destruct a little bit on their injury and that didn't happen. Uh, we, we didn't trust the Bulls at all and, and we'll cover the Bulls in a bit. But I mean, again, I, I like this team. I like the, obviously they, they have a really good player in Drummond. Fit with Jackson has been interesting. I mean, Stan is still tinkering with that roster, right? So he's still looking for the right parts uh, again i don't think he quite has all the shooting that he wants on this team right but again i, I you know if, if i'm a pistons fan i'm kind of i mean this team is moving in the right direction right they, they just I, again they're gonna get older they're gonna get better they need some shooting right yeah. uh, and, and at this point i think again they're gonna make the you know they're, they're gonna make the playoffs who they get who would they get in the first round actually that's interesting it depends i mean pro- i think they won't get better than the seven spot if they make it in so then that means cleveland or toronto so you're thinking they're getting, I mean, I, I think that's a series with them. If they get Toronto in the first round, that could be really interesting, actually. That would that, be would be interesting. And Detroit, it's kind of crazy to say, considering he was probably always going to be like a 20 to 25 minute a game guy, but they really miss Jody Meeks. Just having a guy out there who can hit open shots reliably would make, would be really important for them. And they'll get those players in time. That's not the hardest thing in the world to find. And they'll get a backup point guard, which is a big issue for them right now because they traded Brandon Jennings in the Tobias Harris deal. But yeah, I really like them. And when you talk about teams that could win, you know, 45 plus games by osmosis, you know, this is a team that when I watch them, I think, depending on how things turn out, I expect them to win a playoff series next season. Do you think Toby Harris is the right guy to put next to Drummond? He's not perfect, but at his price, you take that risk now because him at $16 million, $16 million is probably going to be average starter salary for the next couple of years, and they got him for nothing, and they weren't going to get somebody as good as him. So, no, he's not perfect, but yeah, I mean, he was as good I a was, bet as they were going to have. Yeah, I think the problem is, like, they need somebody they need, and everybody needs to stretch for, but they need, like, somebody who can, like, go in there and, like, hit a jumper and create some space for Drummond, right? That's that's the biggest problem right now. And, and because Drummond has some limitations offensively that, that like, are alleviated by space, and they don't kind of have, have that. I mean, again, I think the the other problem for this team is, like, you know, they, they obviously, you know, they – Reggie Jackson is good, but he's not great, right? Yeah. So I, I think the core is there. It, it's just, again, it's one of these teams that, like, I think they're going to be around, and and I I think I kind of trust Stan Band to get them to the next level. It's just, it's not quite there yet. Yeah, I think that's definitely fair. The Pacers were projected for 40 and a half wins. We both really wanted to stay away. You said over, I said under, but we both wanted to stay away, and you were more right than I was because it looks like they're going to go over. 
Yeah, right now the the uh, it was forty and a half, and, and and it's projected forty two. So it looks like over this team again. It's well coached. What we didn't we didn't trust what the hell they were gonna do. Paul George looks good. They really again another team that like like there were some like they would try, if people talked about the last year's draft. This year's draft basically just destroyed last year's draft. I mean, Miles Turner is a great great player. Like there, there's a couple guys. He's a really if you haven't seen him, he's really good to the point that he's starting. And this is not a team that starts rookies easily. So. I mean, I like the pieces. Hill has been out for a while. I think this team is slightly better than their record right now. They, they're getting better. They do have a bit of a log jam. They have all these big men, and, and they're, they're effective, but Miles is probably the best one. I mean, again, this is one of those teams that, you know, they're a move away. I, I do trust the front office there, and, and they'll find guys. So, I mean, I think this team probably will be back in the uh, in the upper echelons of the Eastern Conference soon. Their best players are on the positive side of the age curve, so they'll they'll get better. You know, Turner and George should be better, and the rest of their talent. You're right. You know, they have a few little log jams. They'll get they'll get better. They'll get more well suited to what they're doing with their own draft pick. You know, they'll have some cap space as long as they don't spend it on Monte Ellis again, which they can't because they already have him under contract. They'll be they'll be fine, and that's they're, good. They're they're fantastically well coached. I mean, yeah. I think that that and again, the the teams run well. They, they 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 have a knack for finding talent and getting the most out of them in the draft. And, and and again, I think people kind of forget that you know Paul George is coming off like a devastating injury. I don't think you're getting and you can tell it some nights. I mean, he's not a hundred percent yet, right? So I mean, I think that they're. I think this is a team that actually could be better at the end of the season. This is like the Hawks team a couple years ago. They're going to be better at the end of the season than they are right now or they were at the beginning, right? Yeah. But this I, is a I team that, that, like, this is a team, if, if I got to pick a team in the bottom of the East to pull an offset, this is the team that I'm picking, right? Even if it's the Cavs, I'm like, I don't think the Cavs want the Pacers in the first round, right? This, this It's a bad, like, the Pacers are a bad, bad get in, in, in a first round playoff series in the East, right? Because, I'll- again... I'll tell you something that well, I think will make you really happy. Not as much about that, though I agree with it, is that when I covered their game in Oracle against the Warriors, in warm-ups, Miles Turner was draining threes. So that doesn't, of course, doing that, as we know with free-throw guys, doing that in practice, doing it in warm-ups, and doing it in the game isn't the same thing. But if he can do that next year, this team gets a whole lot scarier. No, I, again, I think having, my, having Miles Turner and Paul George as your core is really 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 good i mean th- this kid is like and he blocks like a maniac it's great i mean and they, they again they have effective size and, and and again it's just a matter of i think this team could get hot in the second half i think this team is going to be like if they wind up in like the six or seven slot right or like let's say that it's the seven slot against toronto or even like i mean i i wouldn't say that it was eight one but i don't think they're going to wind up in the eighth seed i mean i think they right now i think they have a better they have better odds than charlotte because Charlotte's a little banged up, but I think this is a kind of they're going to be really good next year. Like I think we're going to be like if we when we do this next year, we're going to be picking the over on them too. I mean, it depends on what white ones up, but like if it's like forty two, forty three, I'm thinking it's way over. Mm-hmm. Speaking of well coached teams, your Boston Celtics, they it was at forty three and a half. We both really liked it, and we did that for a good reason. Yeah, I mean, like I, I described this today. Like I, this was a epiphany I had. Basically, the Celtics are. What would happen if the Spurs bench was playing in the East, right? And still, co- and still coached by a really good coach. Yeah, and still coached by like Pop or something. Like Brad Stevens is a great coach. There's all these guys on this team who are talented and good. None of them are great. Like you don't have a star or superstar, but it's a really deep, long team. Like this team goes like they're, you know, people complain they used to complain about Evan Turner, but like Evan Turner in a good system and being well coached is an effective NBA player, right? He he he's been an effective NBA player before. On some good, like, don't forget, like, he played on that Sixers team that's quite good with a Goodall. That was a good Sixers team. And then he played on some bad Sixers teams, but you can't judge him, and he's been okay here. Same thing, Jay Crowder is a really good player. He's not a great player, but he's a really good one. Avery Bradley's become, like, a good player. Solinger is a decent player. Isaiah Thomas is a decent player. Like, again, they don't have a star, but they go, like, 8-10. Amir Johnson's a decent player. They go 8-10 deep. And so this is why they beat people on, on nights because like, you know, it, it's kind of hard in the regular season to beat a team that can go 10 deep and like basically play all 48 minutes with quality NBA players. A lot of teams can't do that. What happens is when you get to the playoffs, and this is a problem the Celtics are going to run into, is you, 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 in the playoffs, a team can just go six guys. And if a team goes six guys, then that 10 deep advantage goes away, right? So, so again, I, I like the Celtics team. 
I think they're well positioned to add some guys, but like they need to. I mean, they kind of need to add. To, they kind of need one guy, right? So they've got all the pieces and all the kind of all the framework, but they need to add like one guy. And hopefully the Nets will contribute to getting that one guy to Boston. Yeah, I think I said before the season, I don't remember if it was with you or somebody else, that my best bet with Boston was actually, although I loved their over, was actually, if you could do this, that they would go, that they would lose in the first round for exactly what you said. Like, I just thought they were that team that would do well and lose the first round. And that is in no way a criticism of their team. I, I like a, a lot of what they've done. It's just that... As you said, when you compress the rotation, it helps them less than it helps everybody else. They're still quite good. And they're, as you said, they're well positioned to add to this. They're well coached. And we'll see where it goes, but you have to appreciate what they have now because it's, it's rare for a team without, you know, that guy. Yes, Isaiah Thomas made the all-star team and he's a very good player, but he's not that guy to do as well as they've done. Let me ask you a hypothetical. So let's say it was a four five series. Boston is the four. Miami is the five. Who wins that series? Does Miami have Bosch? No. I'd say the Celtics, but I wouldn't feel happy about it. I think even with Bosch, Miami kind of it, – it, I mean, I think it's – because I think it's well-coached, the veteran players, and I, I think it would be a fun series. I think what's actually – we're going to get probably – we're going to get like the Celtics and the, and the Hornets or something like that is what we're going to get. Celtics oh, then, I, then I'd bet the Hornets. I, lo- I love the Hornets, though. Um, I think again, I think the, Celt- I think the Celtics are, are – they're going to they're gonna, they're gonna lose nobly in the second round. Right, I think that's what's going to happen with them this year, and I think hopefully if the Nets can and like the 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 lottery odds contribute, we can get like uh, a nice uh, piece to add to this roster. It'd be nice if like the problem is like I worry that Danny's going to get like a top three pick and he's going to do what he always does is he's going to pick a small, <laughs> and, and he's going to have all the guards. He'd be like, but dude, you, like I was so pissed on draft night as a Celtics fan when he picked this. Like he basically in a draft where like Miles Turner and Kyrie Anthony Towns and, and Joe Kick and all these like quality big men were available. Actually, Jokic was a previous draft, but all these quality big men were available, and Danny picked three guards. Yeah, and Rondé Hollis-Jefferson would have been, I mean, amazing. Pop Portis, who I know you really liked. But I wanted, I, to ask you, I wanted to ask you before we move on, a theoretical Raptors-Celtics second-round series would be would be interesting because the, the, the Celtics have one of their strengths is taking away offensively dominant guards, and I think that would be a series that could give Toronto some problems. I think that would be the dream matchup for the Celtics in the second round, um, because basically then what you're what, then what you're doing is you, you I think the Celtics can beat the Raptors, right? I think they're better coached than the Raptors, and I think they have the pieces to give them trouble. And then you're kind of hoping that the the Cavs get an injury so you can get to the finals and, and get destroyed by whoever's there. Uh, but hey, you get to the finals. Uh, I mean, again, I think that would like the easiest pass for the Celtics basically. Is if they get like I would say if they get like probably if they get an injured like or a, a kind of banged up Hawks team or a banged up Hornets team and then like the Raptors that's the best possible scenario for them. Yeah. Like the four seed the four seed in the East is bad for them because my it, like Cleveland's not a great matchup for them. Cleveland, like, Cleveland's a pretty terrible matchup. They did beat them the last time they played, but that, that's not going to happen most of the time. We can talk about Cleveland. Like Cleveland has a problem. So I mean like but like I think Cleveland's beatable. So but I. I would, I don't want them. If I'm the Celtics, I don't want them until the the, the conference finals. I think I'd, I'd much rather have the Raptors because I think that that's a much closer matchup between those two teams. And I think that I think the talent differential between those two teams isn't that like they don't have a guy to kill the Celtics from the post, not really. So it becomes a guard thing. And I, I would, having seen Avery Bradley is probably the best on-ball defender I've ever seen live. Right? He's really, really good. And again, you know, when he's healthy, particularly like, and again, they got a couple. They got him. They got Evan Turner. They got Jake Crowder. They can defend on the wing, and that's kind of important in the playoffs. You can get away with more on that. And the Celtics are not above kind of throwing elbows and and and, and kind of hitting people. Yeah. Speaking of teams that can defend on the wings, though this team does worse everywhere else, the Milwaukee Bucks were, the over-under was set at 44.5. We both liked the under. I liked it more than you did, and that instinct was right because they're going to go under. Yeah, you know, but you remember what we said, basically? I remember, I think we said specifically that it was like they got rid of their center, like they got rid of their center, and their center is a really good defensive center, unless the Mavericks can tell you. Yeah. And, and so they got rid of their center. They, 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 they went to Michael Carter Williams and it wasn't there. Kavia, like, I like Kidd as a coach. Kidd has actually figured out what to do with the talent because now he's going point Giannis and point Giannis is actually kind of effective, right? So they, they shuffled some things around and they're playing a little better. I mean, like, it's a clear under, 
but but they're kind of improving. I, I do think that they need to, and I think they know this. They they need to get like an incompetent rim protecting big man. I think if they could get a do over, they would not do what they did, which is like sign Monroe and get rid of Zaza. They could use Jared Dudley too. I mean, he wouldn't be starting, of course, but he would be a nice little depth piece for them as well. Yeah, I mean, again, I think they they got a lot of. I mean, again, this is a team that's actually I think gotten better. I think they're well coached. It's just I you can't lose a guy like a competent rim protecting big man. It's something that you don't want to lose. And they lost not one, but, I mean, Larry Sanders went crazy. And then they lost uh, Zaza. And you can't replace two of those guys and still stick But I mean, like, they're not bad, right? I think Giannis has a chance of being, like, Giannis is, continues to improve. It, it's just they would – they're obviously going to take a step, step back when you lost you, – when you lose talent in the middle, you're going to take a step back in the NBA. For sure, and I think, as you said, I think that they know what their flaws are now, and th- that doesn't make it definite that they're going to improve them. It just makes it more likely because they're pretty identifiable. But I, I-, I think that's really all that we need to say on the Bucks. The Wizards were at 45.5. We both thought over, but we heartily agreed on stay away, and the Wizards have been one of the league's most frustrating and inconsistent teams. Well, I pay a lot of attention to the rotations and, 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 and everything else. This team has been, it's, it's up there between the Suns and the Wizards as who the most like injured and like catastrophic team has been. Like the Wizards, there's been like at least four games this season where they've like basically dressed like seven players, right? And, and, and so it's, it's, it's kind of hard to judge because like Porter's been out and Beal's been out and Gortat was out of the country at one point. And like Humphreys was out, and Allen Anderson was out, and like wasn't I? I even forget the name of their uh, their small forward that was like out from like they've lost Allen Anderson. Player. No, no, the others, no, no, not him. The the their other small forward, Dudley. No, the one with the back issues, uh, Martel Webster. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's been out. Yeah, yeah so, he's been out a while. Yeah, so this team is basically not, they've basically not been able to dress a full squad for the season. Now again, they're starting to look. This is one of these teams that's rounding into health. I actually kind of think that they're gonna. This might be the team that like knocks off like the piss. They're the biggest threat to me to kind of sneak in. They're out. They're in. They're they're close. And this team is better, much better than the record right now. Agreed. Right, because like now that like Beal's healthy and Wall's playing out of his mind and Gortat's playing and Dudley's established kind of in that rotation and the added Marquise who kind of sneakily fits on that on that roster. It's 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 a much more um this is a team that's deep. Now, again, the problem with the Wizards, right? If they were being coached by a competent coach, they'd win forty five to fifty games every year. Randy Whitman is not that guy, right? Uh, he, yeah. he's gotten better, but like he's still Randy Whitman, right? Yeah, I mean I think I was thinking back to the game, they I was I've been kinda high on them it seems like forever, but they were so after the all star break they played Miami without Wade and Bosch and still lost by 20. And so you kind of have those moments where... Do you agree with me that if, if John Wall doesn't get hurt, this team makes the finals last year? Yeah, probably. I mean, they... they Well, not probably. They definitely have a, a, a good shot at it. Well, this is... Assume, again, keep in mind, this is, af, this is after Kyrie Irving went down. Right? The first time, yeah. The injury that... Kyrie... The injury... He only played, what, three games in the conference finals? And he was limited in, I think, one or two of those. Kyrie goes down, and, like, if Wall doesn't get hurt, that team... I mean, they were playing really, really well. It's a talented team. Like, Whitman was not coaching badly, and it was working. Pierce was, you know, kind of feeling it a little bit. And I think that I picked them, before the wall injury, I picked them to make the finals. And 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 so this is, again, th- there's no argument that this is a talented team, right? And I think they're, again, I think probably, I said the, I think the Pacers and the Wizards, right, are the two, like, teams at the bottom of the East that are probably the worst possible matchup you can get, like, in the 7th or 8th seed. Yeah, they're right. both, they're both, they both have really high ceilings. And I, but I, I'd, I'd rather get the Wizards because they're badly coached, right? So it, it's, although again, Whitman has been better in the playoffs, but it, I, it's, he's still Randy Whitman. He's still gonna, like, and I, I remember what happened in the conference final. I, he's still gonna lose a play, like, they're gonna lose two or three playoff games that they shouldn't lose because they're the Washington Wizards and they're coached by Randy Whitman. We know this. We've seen enough Wizards games to know this, right? It's it's. It was actually like, and, and I think, did, did you and I talk about this, that basically because they won those two playoff series, that was probably the worst possible outcome for the Wizards because it saved Whitman's It saved job. his job. Yeah, we did talk about that. And and, and again, this is, like, here's the thing. I think Whitman's a great, a, a nice enough coach when you're developing a team, but at the point where they're at, right, like, 
we've seen here's the thing you've got Bradley Beal on the squad right you've seen what happened when a transcendent three-point shooter just keeps taking shots and shots and shots it creates space and then if you got a, a slash and kick guy like Wall to pair with that then it just becomes completely devastating and then you've got some competent bigs and you got guys who can make shots I don't know why Bradley Beal isn't taking like 10 three-point shots a game and and if you watch a Wizards game like in a, and I've watched many a Wizards game. You'll you'll be sitting there looking at like the shot selection, going like, what the hell are they being called? Because if they actually use their weapons properly, this would be a much better team. Yep. Right. No arguments. Toronto, uh, set at forty six and a half. You you really liked the over. I was eh, and thinking under, and you were right. Yeah, the thing with the team, and again, I think the talent is there. I mean, uh, DeMar is having, the surprise for me is DeMar is having a career year. I thought what was going to happen is they were going to boost DeMar's value and they were going to uh, trade him. Uh, what's actually happened is they they got into DeMar. DeMar is having the best year of his career. He's actually a net, like if you look at the numbers, he's a net plus player for the first and only time in his career, right? It, it, this doesn't, guys, this doesn't mean he's a he's a bad player. He's just like a he's a for his career he's a slightly below average NBA starter. Right? He's just having his career year that happens with guys who are 26 years old, which I believe he is this year. And pair that with Lowry playing really well and and kind of the rest of the squad and this squad works. Now, uh, the, the GMs beware! Don't do not give Demar Derozan a max contract based on his career year because you will regret it. But, uh, I mean, again, I thought the move for them was going to be that they were going to trade him, and they didn't need to. I do think that they're not going to keep him this offseason, right? And, and, and it's, it's it, you know, I expected what they're getting from him, they were going to get from DeMar, and DeMar has been out, right? So it's been kind of a mixed bag. What do you think? I, I'm pretty much in the same boat as you. I understand why they didn't move DeMar. I agree with you that he's not worth a max contract. And Demari Carroll it will be a nice player for them. I, I think that's going to really add a dimension to them for the playoffs. I think, I think what because everybody's going to have money, and DeMar is having this great season, what's going to happen is they're going to trade his bird rights, right? They're, they're going to trade no, you, him. Oh, you, you mean DeMar DeRozan? Yeah, DeMar DeRozan. Ah, uh, that's really hard to do because they would have to sign it. They would have to sign since he's an unrestricted free agent. If if they don't want to pay him his money, he'll just sign as an as an unrestricted free agent somewhere else. Yeah, but they can they can offer him a max uh, like a veterans max deal and trade that for assets, and they have the space to do it. And well, no, be- under the current CBA, they can't. Uh, they can't if they sign and trade him. He can only get the same deal as everyone else. It's because they freaked out after LeBron and Bosch did that and just changed the rules in the new CBA so that you can't do that. So that it actually might really think- hurt them. So you think they're going to let, I think, I think then probably they're just going to let him walk and, and sign, like, again, they can sign, like, if somebody's available, they can sign him, basically. And I think that it, this is a, I mean, I think, I think they, they have a smart GM. I think the problem for them is always going to be about, by, they, they're going to have a hard time drawing a superstar. Superstar either is go, like I said, like, they, it's, it's the money, the, the buddies, the beach, or Miami. Yeah, it's hard. They're in a, they're in a challenging spot with that, but they're, they're a good team and, I worry that they'll feel a lot of pressure, especially because Lowry's going to be a free agent next summer to kind of I keep think, this together. But besides smart I, enough that he's not going to be bullied into that. I think the trick for them is they kind of have, if they're going to make the finals, this is the year for them to make it. Agreed. Like they, they and, and sneakily, but, but they have to make the finals. And for them to make the finals, they have to get the one seed. Right. I think that's, that's the whole, the whole key. If you're, if you're a Raptors fan, this is the year you have to get a, you have to get that one seed and you have to this is the year to try the problem is like it's a bit of a minefield because they haven't won a playoff series right and and it's really hard to win that first playoff series but they and, and you know they're going to get either the pacers the pistons the wizards or the bulls in the first round and and so it's going to be like if, if they they're going to have to win those playoff series right yeah, they're in, a, they're in a tough spot. I think they can make their way out of it. I don't expect them to, but they can. Miami's next, 47 and a half. We both kind of like the under and staying away, and I think that was a good call. Yeah, right now I've got it set at the under. Uh, the team is probably worse than the record right now. Even adding Joe Johnson is not a magical solve that will solve all their problems. Now, again, the problem with like, it, it, and I think we taught, we covered this, which is Miami's old, right? And the problem with old teams is older teams will have problems in the regular season. Now, as you get into the playoffs, older teams will do better. One, there's there's more rest. Two, there's no drug testing. Three, it's different rotations. So so I think it, the playoffs are – Miami is a team that's going to be better in the playoffs, right? 
uh, right now. And and again, they're they're doing a couple interesting things. There, I kind of have this feeling they're 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 burying Hassan Whiteside a little bit. The way they're running the rotations, and they kind of have been doing that all season. He he he's clearly uh, when he's on the court, he's really really good. It's just they they kind of limited his minutes for whatever reason, uh, which is kind of silly because he's going to play get paid whatever they do. He's going to get paid the max this summer. There's just too just too much money going around. The other weird thing for this team is, and let's see if you agree with this, is like Goron and Wade on the court at the same time is not optimal. I agree with that. I think that they should be staggering them as much as they can. They don't really have a ton of other options, so you should be, you know, it's not like you should be curtailing their minutes other than enough to keep them healthy. It was kind of telling that, like, Wade was out for a few games, and Goron, Dang, and Whiteside all went crazy. Yeah. And and they won a bunch of games. Because what? Because that pick and roll with those two guys kind of works. And then as the off guy works, this is, it's just the way, it's, and I don't think it, the way they use Wade doesn't kind of work with the rest of the talent they put on this team, right? It's a little strange. They have two Do you think he stays? Wade, I think that what's what's kind of sad in a way is that I think it would in in a way it'd be better for all sides if he left, just from a basketball perspective. But the personal element of it makes me think he'll stay. Yeah, same here thing here. I mean, I think he'd be better off going to another team, and and it probably enhances odds of winning the title. But I think he's going to stay. And again, as I said, the talent doesn't quite work. It's it, it's kind of better. This is a team of of misfit toys. The rotation works if people are missing. Right and, and 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 it's it's the same thing. It's like Bosch and Whiteside didn't quite work together, and and so you're seeing Whiteside explode. And, and it isn't because Bosch is a bad player. Bosch was having a great season. It's just you couldn't have him on the court at the same time. It's too many guys that don't kind of work in the court at the same time. It's weird. That said, what do you expect out of this team in the playoffs? I think it depends on matchup almost entirely because there are certain things that they do well, but also. A guy like Wade, his weaknesses are so hardwired into him that a coach that knows how to exploit his shot selection can work wonders. However, they might not face that team or that coach in the first round. But like, I I, I don't know. At the same time, there isn't a team out there that uh, like let's say let's say they finish in the bottom half. Right. I don't. There isn't a team out there in the top half that I sit there and imagine. Oh, Miami's licking their chops. Like, there are teams that I think they do all right against, but like maybe their Boston has some weaknesses. But I think Boston could cut off some of their some of Miami's strengths as well. Yeah. Do Do you think this team makes like what is the absolute ceiling on this team? I think they could win a series and. So we assume their opponents are full strength or reasonably close to it. I think they could yeah. win a series and be competitive in the second series. Yeah. Do you think they can make the finals? The NBA finals? Yes. Nah, I, I don't think it's realistic. I mean, there are scenarios that I could concoct where it happens, but I wouldn't call those likely. Fair, fair. I mean, like, I, I hear this talk about, oh, Miami finals. I'm like, eh, I'm not... I'm not, I, I agree with that. I'm not loving that idea. If they had Bosch, I would be much more amenable to it, but... I, we can't Agreed. assume that right now. Agree. Chicago, 49 and a half. You like the under. I like the over. Yeah, and you liked it. I said stay away. And they're going to go under Butler being a big part of it. But also, they're just not as good as 49 wins. Well, I mean, that, that was the thing for me. This is an aging roster. It has some obvious red flags. I mean, their best player for a while had been Noah. Noah basically, you know, the, the wheels fall off. I mean... It's interesting that Rose has actually been playing better recently, finally. My, some of my buddies like to call him General Soreness. But, I mean, like, the problem is, like I said, like, how much, I mean, like, they're pushing the hell out of Powell right now. They're playing, like, 35, 36, 37 minutes a night, and I don't think that's sustainable. They're in a weird spot. I mean, because I think they kind of need to blow it up, and they kind of need to, they basically, the team is Jimmy Butler right now. It's Jimmy Butler. I like some of the young guys they have, but they kind of need to move on from everybody else on that team. I mean, I, I, I would almost kind of think that you kind of need to have a whole... So you, you keep him, you keep Portis, you maybe keep a couple other guys, but I think everybody else... I, I don't know why they didn't pull the trigger on some trades and start moving folks before the deadline. I mean, what is your upside with this current roster next year? You're not winning a title. You're not making a conference final with this roster next year. You know, it's just you get this with teams. They, they, they had a shot. They had a window. They missed it. And now they have a bunch of aging parts that are overpaid. I mean, and, and that's kind of where they are right now. I mean, do you disagree with my assessment? I got concerned when it started, there started to be murmurs that they were thinking about re-signing Pau Gasol. You know, I, I can kind of understand not trading him if the market just wasn't there, which from what we can tell from expiring big men not getting moved, it probably wasn't. But you can't bring him back unless he takes a huge pay cut because he doesn't fit with everything else that you're doing. 
both from a player perspective and from an age perspective. And they're in a, a challenging position because so many of their guys are free agents and letting free agents walk is a lot less fruitful than trading them, you know, like so yeah. you can get something for them. But at the same point, if those are, if that's the hand you're dealt, your goal as it is for any team is don't make bad contracts. And so that is what I'm scared about with them is the idea of making a bad contract or two well, or three. But the problem is like, how, how much do you think a contract for Pago Sol is going to be worth? I wouldn't be surprised if he got ten million a year. Let's say two or three years. I think with the salary inflation, it's going to be like two thirty, and I don't know that it's necessarily that terrible because you got to remember the like it, the the fifteen is the new ten, right? So the, the math is kind of skewed. So I think anything below like seventeen million is probably not horrible. When they're like, you got to remember, it's going to be like a hundred million dollar cap, right? So it's. It's a bit silly. So I mean, but he I, but not, he's not a good fit for them. Even if he takes a discount, like let's say let's say he got two two years to combine twenty five million. I don't think I would do that if I were Chicago, just because that ties you up too much with everything else. Yeah, possibly. I mean, like I think I wouldn't be that upset about a pal contract. Basically, that's my that's my take on it, right? And and I could be crazy about that, but I think that's how I feel. You know. I think he would be a better fit with other teams, but I don't love him on the Bulls. Uh, so let's move on to the Hawks. The Hawks are a team that I think we both liked. Over-under was set at 15.5. Of course, they were a 60-win team last year. And I would say when we got to the All-Star break, that seemed like a possibility. And they've been disappointing since it. And now I think it looks like they're going to go under. Yeah, right now we got a projected at 45. They've had some injuries, but not that significant. I mean, like we thought, we both thought Jarrett Splitter was going to be a contributor for this team. Right. And I think... Part of the issue, okay, so here's the issue for this team right now. I think Dennis Schroeder is better than Jeff Teague, right? Could be. And uh, basically, they came back on the Warriors when Dennis Schroeder was on the court, right? And this is, you know, it's something to consider at this point. It's like, I, I thought, and they, they almost moved them. They were basically kind of, they were basically positioning themselves to move Teague. They didn't end up pulling the trigger on that for whatever reason um and, and and now they've got a bit of a mismatch now again this is a good team but it's they're no weird of a risk they missed the guys that they let go right so they missed Amari, uh they missed a couple of the other guys that go they 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 don't have that I, we thought they were going to have tiago as a stopper they don't so again i think it is what it is with this team i think you know i think they're probably going to turn around a little bit i think they're going to end up you know, it's 45. I wouldn't be surprised if it's like 46, 47 that they end up winning. But yeah, they're not quite as good as they were last year. It was concerning last night when I, I covered the game when they lost to the Warriors. It just didn't seem, they didn't have that pop like they like they did last year where you just, you see it and you go, you know, even if they lose, they played well or they played hard. They That was a game they should have won and they didn't bring it in that way. And some of it was bad luck too. Millsap missed some shots he, he usually makes. But those kind of games become important because you don't usually get to face the Warriors without Stephen Curry and Andre Iguodala. And they're also... So, okay, if you're Al Horford, you're mm-hmm. going to get a lot of money. You know, no matter what, you're, get, you're getting your maximum for whatever number of years you want. Would you want to go back to the Hawks? Do you think they're going to be his best suitor? I would say no. I don't think he's going to... Here's the thing. Yeah, I don't think he's going to wind up on the Hawks because he's probably another one of those guys that, like, smart... Like, Batoon's one. I think Horford's a guy that you could add to a team. So, let me let me think. So, the, the let's say the Bulls decide to blow it up. How about adding Al Horford to Jimmy Butler? He, that's the team I was thinking of as well. Yeah, the, the Bulls. How about Portland? If he wanted to go there, that would be another one. And what I'm concerned about with him, but I think could be a benefit, it's, it kind of seems like he has his head on his shoulders, is that he is not a good fit for any of the big market teams that might have money. You know, like if the Lakers throw money at him, that would it wouldn't be a necessarily a mistake just because he's a really good basketball player. But he, you know... New York would would of course be a bad fit just because he should be playing he should be playing at the five long term, so I hope that he is considering teams like that. Chicago makes some sense. Even Orlando would be really interesting. You know who's going to build a? I'm actually thinking about. It. You know who's going to build a super team this off season? You're going to say Boston, aren't you? No, I'm going to say Miami. Miami's one that's interesting. I mean, he'd be Miami, so Miami, so if you play him with Bosch and Dragic, that would be awesome. Well, I'm assuming. Let's let's assume like. What if, if I mean, like, even if Bosch, what if Bosch can't come back? 
what if what if he just needs to retire? If he needs to retire because of medical reasons, then basically he's gone. He, Wade's gone. They don't have to resign Wade. They don't have to resign Whiteside. And all of a sudden, they have nothing on the cap. Well, but then you probably shouldn't bring Horford in because you're not going to be competitive for a, a year or two. They can, you, but they can sign a bunch of guys, right? And Miami always like gets the pick of the free agents, right? Yeah, because... I think if that were, let's say, parts of that were to happen, I actually think that hurts the case for Horford. But if, let's say, if they if Bosch can make it back, I actually think that helps because then you have with if you could get Dragic, Winslow, Bosch, and and Horford as your core, then maybe Batum. That's too much money. They wouldn't. They wouldn't be able to really work that financially. Are you sure? I'm not sure. Well, we don't know exactly where the cap's going to be, yeah, but I, I, I think, think I they think, would have to sacrifice a little bit. If we were doing like an like a like, I think Miami's going to be an interesting has a shot to be a really interesting player this offseason. Right. I think they have a shot at Durant too. Um, not a great one, but a shot. I will never write them off for an elite free agent ever again. No, I think basically the default like the default should be my like if they as I said they, it's either going to get they're going to go home, they're going to go for the title. They're going to go with Buddies or Miami's in play. It used to be LA, but now it's Miami, right? Because it's South Beach, it's Miami, yeah. right? So I, I could totally see like them, like you know, KD and Russell deciding they're going to go to Miami in a few years. I don't think that's what's happening, but you know, it's it, it, Miami's always in play for free agents. Agreed. Cleveland over under was set at fifty seven and a half. We both like the under. I think right now they're on pace for the over, but I still think the under is more likely just because of where they are in the conference. Well, it's fifty seven and a half. We had them projected. We haven't. I haven't projected right now based on everything at in the schedule at fifty five. Two wins under that. Okay, so you so you're you're thinking in the under as well. Yeah, basically, I think their coaching situation got worse. I think that adding Channing Fry. Uh, <laughs> Uh, was just not a good idea. Basically, like adding Fry, basically, like some of their best rotations kind of went away with what they did. I don't like what this team has done recently. The whole thing with Kyrie doesn't work. They haven't quite figured out how to use all their parts properly. I mean, I think they're, I mean, the East is theirs to lose, but I don't think that they're, they're, they're in any way, shape, or form invincible. I mean, I think this is a team that, that can very much stumble in the playoffs, right? Because, like, LeBron's not, like, LeBron's kind of past his prime and noticeably past his prime. He's still great. He's just not the LeBron of, like, four years ago, right? If, and, teams, and, if teams in the playoffs treat him as if his jump shot is broke and it doesn't come back, they're going to have some major problems because... That's what I said. They want no part of Indiana in the first round. Like, yeah. Because you know Bogle is going to basically treat him like he can't make a shot. And, and, and it's... And they it's have good. and they have rim protectors too. So they're they're a team that if you just hang back and force everybody else and George Hill on Kyrie, that would uh, if I were to pick an Eastern Conference first round series that I'd want to see, that's the series I want. Yeah, because and again, I think the issue it's like basically Cleveland's title odds, right? And I've and I think we said this in the podcast at the beginning of the season. I've said that consistently. Their title odds are all about Kyrie, right? They're not about LeBron. They're about Kyrie. Kyrie numerically and statistically has been like a slightly better, like a better version of Ray Allen, right? So he, and the problem is like they, they don't know quite know this. They play him on the, he should be playing off the ball and they do way too much ice. They should be running cuts and having him move off the ball and do things and make shots because he's a great shooter. Like they should be going more towards make him look like Curry, make him look like, don't make him look like a classic point guard. And it's weird. They also, again, as I said, it's 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 a really weird team because they don't know how to use Kevin. They still don't know how to use Kevin Love, right? And 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 adding Channing Fry, as I said, it's kind of a weird move because you're basically making it even harder to use Kevin Love effectively, right? So Kevin Love used to be fairly fairly effective when he was being used with Matty Valdova, but that rotation is kind of going away now. And they're going more to Valdova and Fry. And as I said, this is it's a I don't I don't trust Tyron Lue. Right in a playoff series, right, and I, and I typically when I when I do the simulations for playoff series, I I, I take take into account like coaching edge and like Tyron Lue was not getting the coaching edge under again. Well, maybe against it'll be even against Whitman. He's not getting an edge against anybody. I haven't seen anything to lead me to think that he is. I'm not saying he's a bad coach. I'm not saying, he, but he's basically a rookie coach in midseason. He's gonna get thrown to the wolves, basically. What I'll say about Fry is that. He's not going to move the needle a lot. I actually like him more as a regular season guy just because he's 
pick and pop ability from the five is something that a lot of teams can't really adjust to, which is nice. But in the playoffs, it's not as big of a deal because he can be exploited defensively. So he's probably and he's probably not going to play a whole heck of a lot. So it's yeah, I, I don't think it's a big move in terms of that, and the money isn't isn't a factor really for Cleveland at all. They, they should have tried to get somebody who could make them use Kevin Love more effectively. I, I don't get a second. I, get a, I, I get don't think. Get a second tier rim protector so you can run him in a second unit and have him run like at this like off the elbows, right? But isn't that what Mozgov is supposed to be? I mean, that's uh, I mean, he's, yeah, he's but they disappointing stopped. this year and they're not using him in the right way. But yeah, but they they you're right. I mean, they weren't doing that, so they went out and got a guy who can hit jump sh- like who, who supposedly can hit like mid range jump shots. But okay, so if the end goal like you're not okay, you're not beating the Spurs or Warriors in a series if you're relying on Channing Fry to hit jump shots. Agreed. Yeah, he's he's not that type of guy, but I think with part of what they got in that deal was getting out of Verjao's contract because they actually saved money in that deal, which is a good thing for them. It's not the biggest deal because it's just Dan Gilbert's money, but that is what made that deal kind of work for them. And I agree with you. Yeah, a second a second kind of second tier rim protector would have been great for them. I don't think those guys were really on the market. What do you what do you put the Cleveland's odds of making the finals at right now? I'd say I'd say they have about a seventy five percent chance. Since they got rid of their coach, I'm down to like fifty five, sixty. I, I I think that there's a real shot that they get into trouble in like they're gonna struggle because they're basically they're they're going to be out coached in every series, right? Unless they get Washington, they're gonna be a, a coach in every series. And 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 but they have and, so like, much more talent than every other team. Even if it's not used correctly, they still have so many better guys. Yeah, but the, the other problem is like there's a bunch of teams in the East that like have been hurt and are going to be better at the end of the season, right? So I think Washington's that. That's the case with Washington. That's the case with Indiana. I think Toronto, if they get Demari back, there's going to be healthy. It's going to be better than they are right now. So I mean, like they're gonna. It's a tough road for them, right? I don't think it's easy, and they're going to get into situations where I don't know they're going to be able to make the adjustments. And the adjustments for Cleveland or like adjustments for LeBron teams have always been like, oh, no, LeBron's more talented than everybody else. And I don't think that's necessarily the case anymore. He, he doesn't – I don't know that he has that fifth gear anymore. He hasn't had it in the regular season this year. I'm not sure either way, but I don't even think they need that. I think Kyrie and Love – even Kyrie and Love as being your two of your three best, even if LeBron is not even near that, is still more than enough. I mean, like that's my thing. It, it's down. It's it's Kyrie. I mean, Kyrie's the most important player on that team for me. Like that, he's the guy who can get them. They can get to the finals. I don't think. What what do you what do you think their cha- their chances are to win the title? Under twenty five. I don't even think it's that high. I think it's like five or ten percent. Because I'm assuming, like, let's assume Ke- Steph Curry gets hurt. Okay, so it's the Spurs. Yeah, that, the that's Spurs- a, I've made that point too. I think that's a good point. But at the same time, you know what we saw last year. So while. You can make an argument that the team that they faced last year is worse than whoever they'd face this year. Remember that that Cleveland team functionally was at without Kyrie and Kevin Love, and while they're not using those guys perfectly, they're still a whole heck of a lot better than the not, guys that they have in, that they had instead. I'm not sure that LeBron exists anymore. I think that, that that's one point is I'm not sure that LeBron exists anymore. I, the second point is people forget like when the first time you make the finals, you don't get any calls. This is kind of historically true, and so the. The Warriors basically weren't getting any calls in that series. It's typically an edge that I work into that. And I think it, it's a, it's different when you're the, 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 the challenger as to when you're the champ. Like, if you're playing in that series now, like, the Warriors are basically going to get, like, they're going to get called like the champ. And I think that it's just rougher. I mean, even at full strength, I don't think Cleveland is, I mean, I, Cleveland is not as good as they were last year, right? And I think partly that's because LeBron's older. And I think partly that's because they're not as well coached. Right. So, and I think that, as I said, I don't think they could beat, uh, this is a question. What, how far down do I have to go in the, in the West to find a team that they could beat in a seven game series? Clippers. They could beat the Clippers in a seven game series. I'm not saying Clippers, they, I'm not saying they would, but I would have the, the Cavs. Clippers at full health with Blake back. Yeah. Remember, remember that the, we haven't yeah. seen the Clippers even win two playoff series in the same year. Wow. Yeah. But that's kind of unfair considering, like, if you look is at, the, if you look, look at the team, look at the teams that they, like, look at the teams they beat. Or that beat them versus the teams that like the the Cavs are playing. I mean, it's D- didn't like, they lose when they lost Oklahoma City? Wasn't wasn't Oklahoma City missing one of was it Ibaka? They were missing one of their guys. Uh yeah. I mean, it's, it's like the team that the Clippers have lost to. It's one of those. If the Clippers had been in the East, the Clippers would have made like three finals in the last like. Yeah, that that's also true, but. They also have some pretty serious flaws that I think Cleveland could exploit. Backup point guard being one of them. Their bench depth is terrible. 
It's like adding Jeff Green as the, as your solve. I would love week. to see that series. Like that's another argument for a top sixteen. Like that as a second round series would be so much fun. Yeah, I mean, I don't think again. Here's the thing. I, if okay, so it, hypothetical series: Memphis against Cleveland. Well, so and, I mean, Cleveland beats him by a mile. Are you are you sure? Absolutely, completely sure. Memphis doesn't Memphis, have Marcus Hall, Remember, but Memphis is actually playing even without Gasol. They're playing well. I mean, they're I, playing I all say, right. I think I think I think it would be like a six game series. Memphis is one of those teams that like just kind of again, it's another team that's like deep and they they got they got players and they're well coached. I mean, I, I think it would be. I I don't think you're giving them enough, enough credit actually. Um, that might be true. I, again, I think Cleveland. I think Cleveland wins. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not going with that. But I think it's a more interesting series than 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 you give than you give credit for. Yeah, I respectfully disagree. But anyway, we, we should probably move on. That is the East. That is the East. Thanks again to Arturo Galetti for taking the time to come on. You can read him at basketballnumbers.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Arturo Galetti. A R T U R O G A L L E T T I. As you could guess, this is the first part of a of a two part series. The podcast was long enough that we couldn't really do it as a single thing. I, I don't put up podcasts longer than like, you know, an hour and a half or so. And this was two and a half when we originally recorded it. It'll be shorter with editing and all that. But it was wonderful to talk to him. The second half will include the Western Conference and a little bit more on the finals just because so many of the likely, more likely champions are on the other side of the bracket. So that's a really fun conversation. I don't know exactly when I'm going to put it out. It'll probably be... Maybe Saturday, but probably Sunday, just to give them a little bit more space. And hopefully you enjoyed it. You can use the code, the real GM code on SeatGeek. Download the free app, and you can use the, the promo code to get $20 off in your first purchase. It's a great show of support for the podcast, and it gets you some money. So, hey, that's great. Also, you can subscribe, download, give us a rating on, on iTunes. Really do appreciate it. It is something that helps... With advertisers, it's something that also just makes me feel good and, you know, doesn't doesn't take a whole heck of a lot of time. And as I, as I say on this, and I, I wish Nate said a little bit more, we don't know exactly what goes into the iTunes ratings, but we know that subscriptions and ratings are definitely a part of that. So the more, the more people do that, the more we go up there, and that allows other people to find our shows more easily because searching and all the other ways you can do it, that, that's just another tool that can go in the box. If you have any feedback, positive, negative, or in between, you can reach out to me at Danny LaRue on Twitter, D-A-N-N-Y-L-E-R-O-U-X. You can email me, MBA at gmail.com. I read everything. I respond to as much as I can. Responding to it a little bit more slowly right now. I have a lot going on with Sporting News and, and Real GM and Warriors World and everything else, which is a great thing. I'm not complaining at all. It's just busy. So thank you so much for listening. Take care and make it a great day. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. Run to Old Navy for revolutionary prices on summer's most stylish shorts. Tomorrow only, they're all 50% off for the whole family. All your favorite shorts, denim, linen, all of them. All shorts are 50% off tomorrow only. Run to Old Navy. Valid 630 excludes active. Run to Old Navy for revolutionary prices on summer's most stylish shorts. Tomorrow only, they're all 50% off for the whole family. All your favorite shorts, denim, linen, all of them. All shorts are 50% off tomorrow only. Run to Old Navy. Valid 630 excludes active.